right from the beginning, I think it was the end of January 2020, we knew there was going to be an issue because we had thousands of account signups from East Asia, from Hong Kong specifically, of people trying to buy masks from the site. So we it was like the, the canary in the coal mine. But yeah, I mean, there are going to be ongoing issues, no doubt. And the the biggest piece of advice that I'd have for any individual or any group is to diversify your supply chain. Welcome to another episode of Dental Marketing Theory. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I am the CEO of SMC National. We are a dental marketing company that helps you have predictable new patient flow. So um, today I get to interview Scott Drucker. He is the president of Supply Clinic, and I'm excited to dive into uh, the show today. Scott, first, why don't you tell us how you got into the dental industry? Uh, yeah, sure. I, uh, I am a periodontist myself, so a dentist by background. Um, I, uh, now, I still do practice. I practice one day a week, and I spend the rest of my time building and growing supply clinic. And so I suppose the more interesting question would be how I went from, from the practitioner side of things. Well, no, because like, it's interesting. So here's something that I've learned from this show is that sure. the dentists all end up in the dental industry on purpose. Usually influenced by family members is what I've 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 seen like my uncle or I had a you know my dad or my mom or somebody in the dental industry and then they got in and then everybody else is here on accident so everybody else is like oh I was just like doing marketing and then I got a dentist and that's what happened to me I'm totally in dental by accident is that is that true for you is that did you kind of get into the dental industry on accident or how did you end up being a dentist yeah good good question i uh i was always uh sort of liked the the sciences both both parents are physicians and um actually both encouraged me to look at dentistry as an option dealing with all the frustration uh around so more work-life balance right bureaucracy and hospital systems yeah exactly exactly awesome and so you got so you chose dentistry and then what made you jump from being a dentist to doing what you do now yeah, so I uh, I experienced. I suppose we as a as a student didn't get much of a practice management education. Um, took a course with that title, but uh, I, I think there's real opportunity uh, in in general for organization and for for sort of that business perspective to step in and and why the private equity world is, is, has been so impactful in the DSO space. Um, but I, I had to buy my own supplies for residency and I really didn't know what to do. Talked to a couple of faculty. I was over at a uh, dental school at Penn in Philly and they said, Hey, talk to your local rep of XYZ big dental supply company and, uh, talk to a couple, couple of the, the local reps who are happy to, you know, for the, the, the prospect of getting the business. And I, uh, I, I, you know, got them my list of supplies, got my price quotes and and shopped around and realized that, um, you know, I, I was told I was being get a, you know, getting a, being given a discount. Um, but that wasn't, wasn't really the case. I could find pricing much lower, on, you know, everybody my, gets a discount. Yeah. Then my so-called new dentist discount, uh, or whatever it was at the time. Um, and just, just sort of started digging in and realized that the experience shopping, trying to achieve lower pricing was really frustrating and pricing was really opaque and um there there had to be a, a sort of better way a better system to do it and um and that was yeah just just uh the supply clinic's first product is a is a marketplace for dental supplies and that was just born out of frustration of of a bad experience 
Hey, sorry to disrupt the show, but I just have a quick commercial for you. We are going to be hosting four events over the next 12 months, and we're doing a little bit of everything for everybody. We have something around Full Arch. We have something for those that manage marketing. We have something for those that want to scale their practice at Dykema. And then also, we have something next year that's for everybody in your practice to learn business skills and to really maximize the opportunities for you to grow your offices. You're not going to want to miss these. Visit smcnational.com forward slash events. These are going to be the premier events that you're going to want to go to to make sure that you're getting the tactical skills that you need to continue to grow the way that you want. Because at SMC, we're all about growing. So how much did you start, help start the company or were you did you kind of join the team that was already there? I co-founded the company. So Got it. Okay. From, uh, yeah. Uh, co-founded with a brother of mine who is not a practitioner, not a not a dentist. He's the, the smarter one of the two. No, but uh, he he's he's a uh, more more of a business and 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 numbers and data background. So so you got completely out of dental. So you said, hey, I'm done practicing as a dentist. Is that correct? No, I still practice a day a week. Okay, that's right. You said that. Okay, I caught you. Okay, and then so now you're you're practicing a day a week, but now your your main focus is on the supply chain. So what are some of the what are some of the benefits of do, making that transitions and what, what are some of the things that have been hard that you didn't realize that would uh, come along with making that transition? Um, difficulties of starting your own startup in general, I'm sure. You know, you, SMC didn't didn't become what it is today overnight. Uh, oh, we just flipped on a switch, started like posted a YouTube video, and there we were. Yeah, yeah, I see you on LinkedIn all over. Whoever your marketing person is telling they're phenomenal. Um yeah, so so uh, I mean, there are so many different challenges through through throughout, and the challenges evolve uh, for sure. Um, but we basically looked at this and we said, okay, we we want to put together. Um, I guess I could I can answer your question in a number of different ways. The first is uh, recognizing I have expertise and and perspective from the practitioner side, but there are various things that I don't know and I need to learn. And so, um, you know, things that that come with the territory of of what we do as First and you know, firstly, it was an on, online marketplace, and now was a procurement software. Um, is e-commerce in general just getting a, a, the crash course in in e-commerce and and understanding healthcare supply chain and uh, organization structure, et cetera, et cetera? And so, I think there was a, a ton of a ton of learning from the get go. Um, you know, that's 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 one one element of of you know the challenge. Uh, by definition, we're a two-sided marketplace, and so scaling that is is uh, you know its own its own beast, where you've got to get buyers and sellers on the platform mm. on each side, and mm-hmm. uh, scaling that up. And um, yeah, I mean, over over <laughs> over the years, different different challenges definitely present. What what's been so what what problem were you actually solving outside of just clear pricing? What were the problems yeah. that you were like, hey, I got to get into this because I, I want to solve this pain point? Because the pain point yeah. had to be pretty big if you were willing to start a company around it. Yeah, so absolutely. Pricing transparency was was uh, f- first and foremost the frustration. I could sit next to a friend of mine who has an account with the same company with the same rep and pull up a product and have a different price for it. Mm. Um, and then in order to, to actually achieve you know, price savings in the market, it was very time consuming. It involved going around site to site. And so basic concept is, hey, there's got to be a way to aggregate all this information and just put it on one spot where any practitioner or, or assistant or office manager, whoever's doing the ordering can pull up and shop by product page and see who sells the product at 
at what price and and add it to their cart and check out in a single cart. So yeah, there was a lot of, I think the two, two biggest frustrations were one, I felt I was uh, overpaying and two, I thought that things were, think, think pricing was being obfuscated intentionally so. And so um, just, yeah, the, the sheer lack of transparency was was troublesome. So how do you guys solve that now? So now if I'm a dentist and I'm like, hey, I, I hear you loud and clear, this is a pain. And we got all these big companies out there, right? That that are that are have all these tricks and things up their sleeve that I can't even begin to guess at. How do you come in and solve that problem now? Yeah, sure. Uh, simply put, we make everything visible to everyone. So we have our marketplace. Our sellers can they can choose to list or not to list on the marketplace, and uh, they control pricing and they essentially compete for the business of the practices that shop through us. So as we scale, um, the the you know, from the from the seller perspective, from the distributor, the prospect of the business grows and grows, and um, there's just there are just natural marketplace forces that come into play, and and pricing is generally better. It's also free. There's no, I mean, just like you don't. Well, if you're a Amazon Prime member, you may pay for Amazon, but otherwise, yeah. anybody can go on and just yeah, shop around and see what pricing is available mm-hmm. and check out and buy. And so that's that's the uh, um, sort of in a, in a nutshell the philosophy and how we operate. We're not telling anybody, hey, you know, you have to pay money to be part of this buyer's club or anything like that. No, it's just, hey, here's what's available and you can choose to buy it or not. And that's fine. If, and if you're getting a better, <laughs> better price on something elsewhere, obviously do that. Right? So how do you make sure that you end up getting the best pricing? Like how, how do you guys make sure of that? Is it just purely supply and demand of the site and what people are willing to pay? And it's just like, hey, your gloves aren't moving the way they used to, or is there something else there? Yeah, so we we don't actually ever claim to have the best pricing on any given product or any category of product. Um, just by nature of a marketplace environment, we are super competitive. And so I encourage anybody. I mean, you can search by, you don't even have to log in or make an account, search by product or, or item ID or manufacturing code and and see for yourself. And I mean, we, the team here does a, a, a ton of price comparisons and, and you know, digging into spend data. Um, and, and the savings are, are, are tremendous. I mean, n- not just double digit percent savings off of catalog pricing, but often north of 20 or 30%. Um, and everybody thinks they're getting a good deal. And so my, my message is just check, it takes two seconds to, to take a look. Got it. And so, um, so now as can you get kind of compare and contrast, right? So there's obviously a lot of big companies out there. Could you give me some examples of people who are doing doing this side of business wrong incorrectly and what what makes them doing it incorrectly like how does that impact the dentist directly uh when, are you asking your question from the perspective of of a set, like a vendor on the industry side that's doing something incorrectly or sure. of a practice or DSA? No, no no not a practice yeah so the practice is a lot of times and this is what i've from i what just having conversations with other people about uh, supplies is like a lot of times you just don't know what's happening as it's happening, right? So you're just busy ordering gloves or or bonding or something like that. And then all of a sudden spice, uh, prices spike or something crazy happens and your billing goes crazy and then you end up talking to a rep and then reps drive up the prices, right? Just having that middleman and the rep is there just to try to secure so they can give you discounts on certain things. Um, and that causes all kinds of problems, right? So what, from your perspective, from a business model as a dentist, which I think that gives you a unique perspective, what, what are people doing wrong out there as in your industry and how are you guys solving that? Like why, how are you approaching it differently? 
Yeah, sure. So um, when uh, this goes right back to the beginning, when when we started this, the perspective was okay. You know, we now live in an age of e-commerce, and e-com has existed since the early to mid '90s, right? And I'll, I'll, you know, this this may be controversial or a controversial uh, perspective, but I would argue that the vast majority of what the typical practitioner purchases, they don't need someone to handhold and help guide the process and also pay a huge, you know, increase in in price for that. Uh, If you have a very, very rep heavy model, your cost of goods go way, way up and somebody has to bear the burden of the cost, right? So um, not to say that there aren't um, certain categories of products where uh, or situations where uh, reps are, are are extremely helpful and useful, um, but I I think that uh, for the vast majority of consumable products, it's it's just silly. It's kind of it, you know the the cost does not need to be so high. I don't need someone to show me how to put on a pair of gloves or use the composite I've been using forever or whatever. Got it. Okay. And then what what are your thoughts on? Um, the right now, I know during like uh, COVID prices got really, really crazy. And then right now, I'm just, I'm reading an article right now. I just pulled it up. It says China's COVID wave threatens another snarl of U.S. medical supply chain. And um, the U.S. efforts to lessen the healthcare system's reliance on China will be tested in the coming weeks and months as coronavirus rolls through China. So we're not dealing with the same problem as we did here before, but it's similar, right? So how, what are your thoughts on that? How, what, what's happening in the world of just supply chain from medical, uh, things that we need every single day? Yeah, we, we watched it. I mean, we, right, right from the beginning, I think it was the end of January, 2020, we knew there was going to be an issue because we had thousands of account signups from East Asia, from Hong Kong specifically, of people trying to buy masks from the site. So we, it was like the, the canary in the coal mine, but yeah, I mean, there are going to be ongoing issues, no doubt. And the, the biggest piece of advice that I'd have for any individual or any group is to diversify your supply chain. So have, you know, if that just means, hey, have multiple distributors or sellers that you have relationships with, um, you know, take the time to establish those relationships so that you're you're not, you know, far down the pecking order when when something is, is, is short. So how would I do that? Like if I was a dentist and I'm busy, right? And I have the, the I have the guys that I like and I use them, how would, do I go in and start building relationships with other people? Yeah, I mean it's it's as simple as like you know picking up the phone and making a call to to a company. Start ordering some stuff, just ordering certain things. Yeah, I, I mean I I don't think it's a bad idea. I think uh, diversifying where you order from is 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 a is a, a, a maybe the best thing you can do as as sort of a hedge against these issues. Um, but yeah, order order from elsewhere, but just have the conversations, and you know you're you're. Um, uh, you're, well, there's there's a lot of advice and the advice may vary for the individual practitioner versus the DSO because yeah. we work with a whole bunch of DSOs on our procurement platform and um, the, the, the the process and the relationship uh, is somewhat different uh, or it should be anyhow. So, uh, it's often not in the beginning and then uh, <laughs> systems are implemented and, 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 you know, proper steps are taken to, to really organize things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, on, on the DSO side, I mean, I, I think what's necessary, first of all, DSOs should be going through cyclical RFP. So every two, one to three years, say, putting their book of business out to bid again. I mean, number one, just opening up 
that process. When you, okay, will, so when you say DSO, everybody, like anybody, technically, tech, anybody with multiple doctors, right? Your your DSO, your your dental service organization, right? So that's the technical term. Now, not everybody's legally structured as a DSO. Some people are groups. Some people don't want to be DSO. So when you say DSO, like, are you talking about people with five practices, ten practices, a hundred practices? I mean, the bottom line is it 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 doesn't really matter. Even if you're an individual office, it's good to revisit that and and let whatever seller you're working with know, hey, I'm open to others. I'm talking to other groups, et cetera. Uh, so but that keeps your like, prices down, right? They're not yeah, going to raise foster, your prices. Foster a, a competitive environment, and there's no there's no harm in that. I mean, they're a business at the end of the day. They're gonna, um, you know, the, if if they get upset about it, so be it. <laughs> like that's on them. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously, the the larger you grow, the more uh, the more leverage you, you you have with buying power. But um, when you're I mean, even even as an individual location, you should be taking advantage of things like the marketplace we built. Like a hundred percent. There's no reason not to start. Um, and I don't I don't know what the the magic threshold is for for being able. I mean, it's a spectrum. At the end of the day, I'd, I'd be it making is. up a threshold. And so, the larger you are, the more the more you can and should be negotiating and and leveraging your your scale. And I mean, that's the bottom line. And what are what are your thoughts on? Do you guys do gray market materials and things like that? How, and what's your guys's approach and thoughts on that? Yeah, good question. Not at all. Uh, we don't touch gray, so we have very uh, strict rules for our sellers uh, to maintain uh, uh, the security of supply chain effectively. We verify purchase all the way back to the manufacturer. Obviously, if it's a manufacturer selling, it's their product; they can sell the product. But um, beyond that, we we make sure that the uh, the the product is or the the company rather the seller is authorized to sell. So we'll call, we'll we'll call and document and, and check all the way back to that manufacturer. And sometimes there's a multi-step supply chain, so it's sold to the NDC, and then NDC sells to distributor XYZ, and um, we'll we'll follow through and and make sure that things are clean. And we have a very open policy with our sellers. We say, hey, you tell us if something looks funny, we'll pa- we'll we'll hide the item or the category or prior seller, whatever it is, immediately, and we'll look into it. Um, you know, do do you feel that gray market materials are a bad thing, or is it just kind of? Yeah, I I know they're I I so it's a it's a nuanced question. Um, for uh, disposable consumables, things like bibs and cups and things that end up in the trash, um, that really aren't temperature sensitive per se. There's probably no huge difference. Um, but things that anything that could be temperature sensitive and goes in and stays in the mouth, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's um, the, the potential for a, a a bad result, right? So a cement spoiling or a impression material spoiling, and you getting a bad impression and a bad fit of a prosthesis or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I mean, if that product is rerouted and and sits on a heated truck somewhere, <laughs> like or a heated heated ship somewhere, sure, it can go bad. And um, the bottom line is, we don't touch it. It's not. It's just. It's it's not worth the exposure for the difference in margin. I mean, from how much? How much do you I, think that's going on? I've heard. I, I ask everybody about this. That is that has to do with like the supply chain and stuff. And I always get different different answers from people. Some people are like, "Oh no, it's it's everywhere. You can't even stop it." And other people are like, "Ah, eh, it's not that big of a deal." Um, where 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 do you fall on the scale of of how prevalent gray materials, gray market materials, are in the United States? Oh, I don't, I don't on a like percentage basis of you know supplies that are sold in the states. I have, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But um, my my take on it is there is a cohort of the dental or practitioner population that just won't care, 
And if you just don't care, you're always going to be, uh, you know, essentially seeking bottom barrel pricing and, and you know, it, it is what it is. And, uh, and, and that portion of the population will, will always exist. And are you saying uh, that dentists sometimes pinch pennies? <laughs> I would never say that. <laughs> yeah. As a dentist, uh, do you ever pinch pennies? I don't think so. Okay. I don't no, it is. So. Dennis, Dennis like to go deep I, into things. That's the way I look at it. They, yeah, whether it's I mean, saving, saving yeah. money or whether it's in, in that, that can be great in some areas like dentistry, but it can also cause problems to your point. Like you're going to save that next penny on, on a product. Yeah. I'd, I'd say there are ways, there are ways to be smart about lowering costs and, uh, that's not one of them. You're much better off you know, forming relationships, even, even if, you know, forming new relationships with multiple different sellers and mm. putting your own business out to bid and the price is going to go down. Like it just, it just will. Um, but the, you know, I, I, I there, there are ways to get aggressive with pricing and, and I, I don't, to me, that's not worth the risk. And you can say, Oh, well, does it ever really matter? I've not ever seen an issue. And, and yeah, I've, I've heard all the same things. Um, but as a as a uh, individual practitioner and as a business uh, owner and operator, uh, it's just not worth the exposure. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Perfect. Um, what what are your thoughts? What what would you tell people out there that are like actively looking? So our audience is like five, four to five, six, you know, locations. Some have more, some have yeah. less If they're just like, hey, I'm kind of new to this. I've kind of just used one guy my whole life. What, what, what's your advice to them in, in, in starting to understand this and really take advantage as they grow to keep cost under control? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, so if you're, if you're, your biggest target is say four or five, whatever locations, um, they're just sort of getting into the swing of things where they're, you know, starting to, to implement the same practice management software across the board, the same accounting software. Um, I think that that it's it's first of all, it's never too early uh, to to start <laughs> taking a look at your bottom line, especially now and as we move forward with with challenges that exist with you know whatever the practitioner labor market, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, uh, I I'd say so so start having the conversations and 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 we do so because we have a procurement platform where we can uh, essentially facilitate any negotiated pricing and our marketplace pricing. Um, we provide resources to groups. And so we, we will just uh, give away just to, to be helpful guides to completing an RFP. So, hey, what the heck is an RFP? Like, okay, let's <laughs> let's get folks to negotiate for your business, right? Like you you are more valuable than than your business is more valuable than you may realize. And there are certain steps you can take and and we'll map that out for for folks. And so um yeah, I mean I I, I just I just I suppose encourage folks to 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 open their eyes and and you know even even if you're going from uh whatever it is, you're you're shrinking your supply cost from six or seven percent of your profit to down to four or five percent or whatever it is um those points add up at the end of the day yeah. and when you talk on when you when when you know folks are putting their groups up for for sale there's there's a multiple <laughs> so what, what kind of numbers are we talking about like if uh, at, a, at an office level what are we talking about on the savings side yeah so i mean i mean just you know, if you talk about uh, well, there, there there's there's a, a bit of nuance to to dig into here, but we'll I'll just sort of set the 
landscape for you. Uh, a typical practice spends about $50,000 a year in supplies. So if 2% of that is $1,000 uh, and they can save $1,000 per location, you know, for a, whatever it is, a, a, a 10 location, you're now talking $10,000, you know, 100 location, et cetera, just, just yeah. you do the quick math. And there's probably more than, than 2% that can be dropped across the board. Um, now, uh, is that pretty standard? Like if you go out and just kind of work your inventory every six months or so, you're going to be able to look to save a couple points or is it, is it, is oh, it, we see, we see massive range. So folks, especially in that, in that who's saving the most, who's, who are the people out there? Cause I'm thinking like, if I'm the listener right now, right. Who are the yeah. people out there that are not like are the, the most ripe to be able to save the most? Are they coming from a certain kind of company? Are they coming from a certain demographic or a certain area or yeah. a certain size? Uh, typically what we'll see, well, it doesn't exactly correlate uh, all of the time, but typically the the smaller groups, and so anywhere from five to 10 or 15 locations hasn't been through the process before. They've never, they've just had their, you know, the main location has their rep that they've trusted forever, and uh, that's just what they've done. And so um, there are, you know, naturally there will be the most savings to be had this, this, the smaller you are. So when you're a 10 location, uh, there's, you know, you're, you're in a different world than when you're a hundred location and have probably been through a number of turns of negotiation. Um, so by far and away, just dollars and cents wise, the, the, the smaller, uh, the group has more to save. Now, that being said, we've seen groups that are 20 or 50 locations uh, that have not been through the process before. And it's like, an, oh my God, this is, Massive you know, this is tremendous. And we'll, we'll start digging in and open up and, 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 you know, look at, at spend data from the offices and realize that they have like whatever, 20 different, different accounts set up with the same vendor and they're paying like seven different prices across those locations wow. for the same SKU. Yeah. There's, 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 uh, it's, it, there's usually a pretty, a pretty, uh, big kind of cleanup process and the most to be saved the first turn. So if, uh, if your core audience is that sort of, you know, whatever, we'll call it five, give or take or 10 location group, that's, that's absolutely the perfect place to start. Got it. And then uh, what are your, what are your thoughts around like, as these offices start to grow, one of the struggles that I've seen with offices is like, how do we even manage our supplies? You know what I mean? Like, cause when you're at one location, it's like, Hey, we're out of X order it, or you have it on recurring order it every month. But then when you start to have five locations, 10 locations, 20 locations, how, how do you set that up? And, or do you guys help with that at all? Or how, how does that work? Yeah, uh, we do have an inventory management uh, component to our, our software for, for our multi-location groups, um, our, our subscription software. Now, that said, um, there are a number of different uh, options of inventory management solutions on the market. And I would argue that none of them are good because they all require a human being to, to, to do data input work. Yeah. And, um, you know, solution is sort of a separate conversation maybe for another day. But um, ultimately, the best suggestion I have for folks who are just starting to get in the rhythm of this process is have your one designated person at each location go through and start by going through once a week and establishing an ordering day of the week and that no orders can be ordered outside of that day. And it just sort of starts establishing a rhythm of, okay, you know, I'm going to go through, I'm going to check and, and, you know, if Mondays or Wednesdays or whatever is the day, that's the day. And ultimately you want to be down to one or maybe two times a month, uh, you know, and, and, and on a, a regular rhythm. But, um, 
just just even implementing the one day a week rule saves spares. How, so how, so? how does that save time? Just because it's you're unifying everything and pulling it all together, or is there other things that I'm not? It it habitualizes uh, being organized mm-hmm. and it spares a ton of last minute overnight ship charges. When you're putting in, like somebody's paying for logistics, and when you order something for the next day, unless you're a fairly large DSO and have negotiated free overnight shipping from one of the super robust distributors, um, somebody's paying for the shipping. And so it's likely you, and you're going to be accruing all of these shipping surcharges uh, you know, with these one-off orders of this single SKU that you realized you didn't have for your procedure tomorrow kind of thing. Mm. And so that just cuts back on on all of that right out of the gate. Um, and, and gets the, the location in a good habit. Mm, That makes total sense. Got it. And then I'm going to change gears on you really quickly. I just had an idea pop in my head and I'm, I'm curious of your thoughts on this. So Mm -hmm. during Thanksgiving, when you go in to buy food, what, what the, what the grocery stores are really good at is they know that you want the turkey and they know that you wanted the best price to get you into the front door, right? Mm-hmm. So what they do is they drop the prices of the turkeys ridiculously. They don't make money on the turkeys. They actually lose money on the turkeys. But It's a loss leader. Yeah, yeah. It's a loss yeah. leader, exactly. But when you buy turkey, what else are you going to buy? Because you're not going to go to a different grocery store. You're going to buy stuffing. And you're going to buy olives. And you're going to buy all this other stuff that comes along with the turkey. So what the grocery stores do is they actually increase the prices on everything else. And, and so they put this turkey out there for way less. You think, man, I'm getting the best deal ever. This is so great. And it's just a competition to how low you can go without giving it away for free. And you're literally losing money, but then you're making insane margins on everything else. And you can't really feel it as the consumer, right? You actually feel good that you got the turkey. So it's kind of like a win, win, win for everybody. But at the end of the day, you're actually spending more because I'm not going to go to five different grocery stores, right? Even if I was to figure it out. Does that happen in the supply world as well? What dental distributors would never play that game? <laughs> of course that happens. Um, yeah, the, the, the biggest, um, I, I guess the, the most glaring example of this is we have um, on our, our uh, procurement software for these multi-location groups, they, we provide them the ability to uh, essentially input all of their special negotiated pricing. And so um, that's all up there in the in, in their uh, accounts when they log in. They can search by product, lidocaine, cotton rolls, whatever it is, and pull up that product. And they'll see that, that uh, uh, we'll call it a formula, just negotiated price right, right up top. Now, if the group wants, they can opt to also have our marketplace, our third-party marketplace, which has nothing to do with what they've negotiated, visible, on and visible. Um, and there's a tremendous amount of spend, even for fairly large groups, that happens on the marketplace because there are so many of those <laughs> other items that all the, uh, you know, all the secondary and tertiary items that are not as expensive as that turkey or whatever the, you know, yeah. the big ticket item is that, that groups just don't have the wherewithal to go through when they're negotiating, you know, they're going by category of biggest ticket item or, you know, whatever it is or, or you know, CapEx or or what have you. And then there's this super long tail of products that nobody is going to bother or have the time or patience to negotiate because the negotiations are dragged on long enough intentionally. So, I mean, you can never leave a car dealership right away. Right. So let me, let me hold your driver's license. Can we get, can we get a copy of your driver's license? Right. Exactly. And so it's no, it's no different. Um, but now there's the ability to 
as you're going through, do these real-time price checks on a third-party uh, marketplace. And and we're finding, yeah, of course there's a ton of that. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That That's, yeah. So what's the turkey in the dental industry? Because I don't know. I've never been in it. Like, <laughs> I'm scared of the dentist, so I don't I don't know. Yeah. What is the turkey? Yeah, I mean, the bigger ticket items, obviously, your 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 equipment. So your your big dental units, your scanning, milling, uh, printing. So we'll any, give you a great. As this happened, so we'll give you a great deal on all of your you know really big machine that you're about to buy right now, and you're looking at it going, man, I'm going to save tens of thousands of dollars. But you have to order all your supplies through us. Is that is that how it works, or is it not? Oh uh, yeah, sure. That 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 dynamic is quite regular. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And so the, yep. what are the other turkeys in the dental industry? The, the so equipment? Ca- yeah, capital equipment. And then, and then typically things that are looked at um, more carefully, <clears throat> excuse me, are a lot of the, the, the branded items that are cements or composites or, you know, bottle of one to five milliliters of something that's some exorbitant amount of money per milliliter kind of thing. Um, yeah, those are, I mean, you know, those, what's really, what kind of trails off are, are, is everything that ends up in the garbage at the end of the appointment. Okay. So that's what my next question was, is like, what are the things then that you're, what are what's the stuffing that is like marked up crazy, but you don't really fill it. Yeah. Most of the throwaway disposable type stuff. Gloves. Uh, well, historically, yes, I'll say during the pandemic, things got wonky, but uh, but yeah, things like gloves or bibs or cotton rolls or masks. masks yeah. Got yep. it. Interesting. Well, this has been really good. This is informative and it helps me understand uh, how the dental industry works. So I appreciate you coming on. If there was somebody listening right now and they go, you know what? I want to learn more about this. I want to see how I stack up against everybody else I'm working with. How, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. Uh, anybody can reach me, uh, Scott at supplyclinic.com pretty straightforward. And uh, we're more than happy to help out whether you're a single location practice looking to to you know, start looking at expenses with a finer tooth comb or or you're a multi-location group and you want a platform to run everything through and also save on all those uh, non-turkey items. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just just reach out. We'll loop you together with the team and uh, we'll, we'll do the comparison for you and, and you know, see, see how we can help. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it.